Hey there, Full Disc listeners. We've got something special for you today. In the current global pandemic world we're living in, we at Full Disc started feeling the huge void being left by the extreme lack of aviating going on. Our good friends at Mudspike Aviation felt the same. We both agreed that something needed to be done. Since we couldn't get out and watch our friends fly, we figured what better way to keep in touch than inviting them into our virtual flight line and having a simple conversation about all things aviation. For seven straight hours, we had live conversations with military pilots, airshow pilots, warbird owners and operators, social media personalities, and photographers. The audio was recorded live, and while there were definitely some technical issues that popped up, we feel that the quality of the conversation greatly outweighs the quality of the audio. Without further ado, Full Disc Aviation and Mudspike Aviation present the following for your listening pleasure. Full Disc Aviation and Mudspike Aviation present an aviation conversation. Hey again, everyone. This is Nick Moore with Full Disc Aviation. Welcome to the next session of the first ever virtual air show hosted by Full Disc and our good friends at Mudspike Aviation. We hope that everyone's doing their part to stay safe and really hope the time spent today might bring you a little bit of extra joy in these weird times we're living in. If you're joining us here today, I'm going to assume that you love aviation and air shows. You're in luck because that's exactly what we're going to be talking about. During the next 30 minutes or so, please feel free to hit us up with some questions for our guest and we'll do our best to get anything answered that pops up. So this interview is going to be a little bit different than the rest. Throughout the day, you're going to hear from various military aviators with years of experience. And right now, we're going to go to the other end of the spectrum. Our guest literally just arrived in Pensacola, Florida for primary flight training and is one of the best people that I know. Please welcome to the virtual hangar my very good friend, United States Navy Ensign Charlie Beck. How are you doing, dude? Okay, how are you doing? I'm, uh, you know, it's Kansas and uh, there's birds chirping, people mowing, blue skies, and everybody's at home. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, I got the right, uh, right the so, uh, that's good here. Yeah. So, just to tell a little bit of a story about Charlie, um, this is probably, I don't know, probably two or so years ago. Um, I think I posted a story on Instagram about, about my time, uh, I think out at our, our local airport, Stearman field. Um, and you know, everybody was out flying. I was out taking pictures, quite happy about that. But I think it had been quite a while that I'd been in a cockpit, um, just such as life with kids that I just didn't quite have all the time in the world to go, uh, to go do what I, uh, would normally be doing. And, um, I get a message from somebody that I knew was you know, a fellow follower on Instagram, but nobody I'd met before and just offering up, Hey, I come out here and fly all the time. And, um, and I just really, if you're, if you're, uh, interested in joining me, I'd love to have a, have a passenger and, you know, you know who in their right mind is going to turn down a cub ride. And, you know, after that we became fast friends. So that's why, uh, you know, there's a special place in my heart for people that are nice and, and share the, uh, the love of aviation. So with that story of the love of aviation, uh, when on earth did that begin for you? Boy. Uh, well, real quick, Nick, I do appreciate the, the kind words, but, uh, I would also like to give my side of that, that story real quick. Um, you know, I think there's a, a certain side of person and kind of type a, I don't want to say narcissistic, but everybody loves themselves and uh, 
you know, somebody taking great pictures of you as you're flying, you know, not something you maybe, maybe get all the time. And so I was lucky. And so I met Nick through Instagram or Facebook or somehow it's been a while. And, uh, in my mind, I was like, well, if I can get this guy out here, uh, maybe I'll get some, you know, maybe some better, more focused picks, you know, not just me doing touching goes and such. And, uh, but my, my mind, obviously not the photographer didn't think to realize that you take pictures of the outside of airplanes, not the inside. So fortunately it worked out. <laughs> but the first flight was also, like you said, just people sharing. That's one thing I found in aviation. Uh, you know, every, and I'll speak to that probably here later, but, um, you know, every opportunity I've had has just been from kind of being persistent and hanging around and asking questions and being curious and being polite. Uh, so that night that you and I did finally go up, it was, it was fun just to go out. And I don't know if, I think we may have only done one landing, not the normal GA pattern work. We just took off, went up to the North of Stearman field and just kind of bummed around like you do in a cup. Uh, so that was, that was super fun. I'm glad that that kind of happened. Yeah, me too, man. Um, but, uh, and then, then I started to realize that I should balance the inviting you to go fly and then telling you I'm flying so I could still get some cool pictures. <laughs> yeah. Which works out for both of us. It does. It does. Except for you move uh, for some reason, but we'll get into that in a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. You know, new, new things, new things to do. So to your question, you did ask, um, I, I've always known airplanes, uh, as long as I've, I've lived. So for context, I'm 23 years old, uh, just finished college, uh, back in December. So 23 years of, of, uh, aviation, my, I'll tell a short story. I try to keep it short of how my dad got into aviation, uh, which is kind of funny because obviously he's the one who's been supportive, uh, and has helped foot the uh, fuel bill. But he taught me everything I know as a CFI and just a really outstanding mentor, uh, let alone, you know, father figure. So when he was growing up, he had three older sisters. He was the fourth kid, the only boy. Uh, his dad was a college professor at Tulane and they didn't have a ton of money, but his dad was good at saving. And everybody got a, a graduation present when they graduated high school. And the three older sisters all got to go. Uh, to Europe on a vacation because they never really took big trips as a family. And so that was their graduation present. And my dad wasn't as interested per se in that uh, and had been accepted to the college he was going to had a good scholarship. And I remember telling me he just was curious, uh, you know, being grown up and he said, Hey, can I take flight lessons? And my grandpa said, sure. No aviation background, nothing, nothing at all. Just a curious kid. And, uh, so that was, he started his, his first lesson. I'm assuming late May after he graduated, uh, high school and sometime at the end of July he passed his private check ride. So he just spent a summer taking flight lessons and getting his PPL. Uh, so I always thought that was kind of a, a funny, funny story as to how it, it started, but aviation for me, obviously coming from my dad, um, that's his biggest hobby. It's we're not necessarily an aviation family, but when you're in aviation, it's kind of a big part of your life. Kind of has to be. And so I grew up, you know, first time I was in a Piper Comanche, I was two months old, maybe three months old. Um, 
brother and sister were not happy because it's a four place airplane with three little kids in the back and one of them, me in a car seat. So I took up all their space. Um, but the story goes, and I don't remember, my parents lived just a little bit outside of town and there was a pasture by our house and somebody they knew had an engine failure in a, I think it was a Keaton pole or some, some small airplane. And they uh, landed in the pasture and the house that we were living in at the time was kind of an L shaped house uh, with the, a room in the garage sticking off one side. And they figured the safest place to keep it till they could pop the wings off, put it on a trailer was uh, back behind the house in that, that kind of L shape. So lucky for me, it was right outside my bedroom window. And for about a week, I just had an airplane in the yard. I was, I think I want to say two years old, maybe. And from that day on, it's just been airplanes. Every day I think about airplanes. I've grown up. I just wanted to be at the airport. I wanted to fly everything airplanes. Um, so I was fortunate with my dad. We, he'd take me out of school when I was in elementary school. You know, a lot of Fridays I went in his class. We'd go fly somewhere for fun or uh, take a little overnight trip somewhere. Uh, and it was just it's just a great, great thing to grow up doing. Uh, and then I have two older siblings. Uh, and so when they were learning to fly four years older, my dad couldn't find an instructor that he liked. And he said, you know what? Screw it. I'm gonna get my CFI. So he worked hard for us and got his CFI. And uh, the rest is kind of history. We just started, you know, lessons weren't as formal as maybe a lot of people, but we'd go out and he helped me get through my private and here I am. Yeah, because uh, how old did you say you were when you uh, when you took your first flight? First flight? Uh, two months old in a Piper Well, Pitch. I mean behind the yoke. Behind the yoke. <laughs> <laughs> I figured. So me flying, um, I want to say, I don't remember exactly, but I was, I was seven or eight years old. And, and I mean, I guess maybe World Cup, I had, you know, a few minutes here or there, done something. But uh, uh, when I was seven or eight years old, my dad had a super decathlon, and uh, he would do aerobatic competitions. Well, Super D doesn't have autopilot, and to go to an aerobatic contest, you'd have to do a little cross-country flying. And uh, I remember, specifically, we were going out to, I want to say Lamar, Colorado, uh, which is a... Super D is not much faster than a car. Anyone in Kansas knows that going to Colorado is a flat, boring drive, and it's not much different flying. So I'm sitting in the back seat, and it being a high-wing aircraft, you could compare the amount of sky between the ground and the bottom of the wing. And I was told, look to your left, look to your right, make sure they're the same. And that was about it. <laughs> so it turned out level, so I just try to keep the wings level for a few minutes. Push back on course, uh, and a couple hours later we were there. So uh, that was kind of my real introduction to actually flying personally. And then when did uh, when did you decide that you wanted to start? You know, formal formal lessons. I mean, you say it wasn't formal, but um, you know, when when you decided that it was time to to work towards your license. Um, you know, it's kind of an interesting one because. There are a few phases, I guess. Uh, uh, you know, we got a Cessna 150. My brother and sister learned four years older than me, so uh, you know, a little before they were to solo. Um, 
so at 16, you know, so I was 11 or 12, um, and we just started, you know, we said, hey, let's go fly. Uh, uh, and I was, I looked forward to it more than I think my siblings did, just for whatever reason, and um, I really wanted to, to do it. So I'd bug him, you know, hey, can we go fly? Can we go fly? And he's like, okay, if we're going to go fly, then I'm going to start teaching you. And we took it slow. Uh, so, you know, it was just purely the aviation point, the aviating. Um, you know, I, I didn't touch a radio forever. I, as everyone who has flown knows, that's one of the, for some reason, one of the most intimidating parts, but I just didn't, he just always handled the radios. And I was almost still in that kind of voice activated autopilot, if you will. Uh, mm -hmm. so I just would fly the airplane and looking back, you know, we've always said I probably could have soloed the Cessna when I was 12, obviously did not, um, for legal reasons among other, but Sure. It was one of those things I got comfortable quick. You know, I think fortunately being young, you can learn stuff, but just bumming around in the pattern, going and doing stuff. And so from that point, I had a good base um, and we just kind of kept it that way. Uh, you know, I didn't have to do one a whole lot to do because you don't need much for your uh, your solo when you're 16. But, you know, I'm, I'm sure within the next couple years, I started talking on the radios and had it down. So uh, 16th birthday. Solo, nice cold December day. Um, couldn't quite feel my fingers afterwards. Heater in the 150 isn't too strong. Uh, but solo, did my three patterns. Um, ate some cake. It was great. Fantastic birthday. Uh, and then that was when I was in high school. And I was, I was involved a lot in high school. We were kind of busy. So unfortunately, um, fortunately or unfortunately, however you look at it, I actually didn't get my private on my 17th birthday, like a lot of people, um, because just school was busy. Uh, dad was busy with other stuff. This life kind of got in the way, but I kept flying, uh, you know, I had my solo endorsement so I could go solo. And I started to get, he, my dad uh, started to add more airports to my solo endorsement. So I go fly around just bumming, bumming around different local airports, practicing landings, um, the usual kind of pre PPL stuff. And then we started to get serious. Uh, so my, Okay, my birthday is December, so we started to get serious uh, at the end of my junior year of high school. So I got through finals, and we got into the summer. We said, okay, we know we can because I had the base. We just had to go and do the actual maneuvers, make sure I got everything down, uh, and start you know, doing the check ride, real check ride prep. Mm -hmm. uh, so over the summer, you know, I had a, a summer camp or something early in June, and then uh, we were actually on a, a, a mission trip for a couple weeks uh, down in South America. And every day, morning for at least an hour, and then evenings we usually would, we took the Glime uh, private pilot uh, check test prep book uh -huh. and, uh, and, went, and went through it. So went through that every day and started to get all the, the book work done. Um, I took my written, I exactly when, uh, didn't, <laughs> didn't do so high on it, sort of somewhere in the sense. Uh, uh, which was past. Not, not my proudest moment, you know, looking back, back it, it showed me what I needed to work on. Because again, to me, it's, it was always the only part. Oh, well, I fly. What's the big deal? I have a tower to put on the falling. I got all this stuff. It's not that big of a deal. Why do I need to know the book of knowledge? And uh, that kind of showed me why. So, got through that. Uh, and then a little while later, in uh, I think sometime in August of 2014, it would have been. Uh, took my drove down to my designated examiner's house, south of town. 
did my oral exam. Second, my dad used for a bunch, so he kind of knew the gotcha questions, but he found he found a few things to get me on. And we had a moment. Uh, and then a couple of days later, took my check read. And uh, I didn't know. But so when we got out, you know, my dad was standing there and we lay the examiner. Was on this side playing, I couldn't see him. Just gave a real subtle thumbs up to my dad, and I'm still anyone who's taking a check ride or any test really. Sometimes you walk out and you go, I mean, I think I did fine, but I have no idea. I don't know if I passed. You know, I, I blew one maneuver. He let me do it again, but but who knows? So I'm just standing there nervously, and he pulls out the his typewriter and prints my temporary certificate, and from there, uh, you know, that was that was how I got through the the training. Uh, initially, and then slight shortfall onto that was after I got my ticket. I had said, "All right, you've got a hundred hours in the 150. We don't need this anymore. Let's let's get out of here." Uh, so sold the 150 and then bought a Legend Cub, um, which is a essentially a modernized J3. It's not like a crazy Super Cub Carbon Crafters Carbon Cub Cub Crafters thing. Um, but it's just a modernized J3. It's actually based off a of Piper AL11 frame. Um, but it looks like a cuff from the outside. It has the open cowling with the hood scoops, which are carbon fiber, which is uh, kind of funny looking at a cub for the first time with that. It's got a door on each side, has a garment in the panel, has an electric starter, so I don't have to hand prop it, which is probably the nicest part. And a little more fuel. Um, but it, so I've we got that, and then my dad gave me my tailwheel endorsement the next couple months. And from from there, it's been hours and hours and hours and hours and hours in the Cub, just being a Cub pilot, loving VFR flying, loving nice grass runways, and uh, just enjoying flying purely for flying. Yeah, it definitely doesn't get much better than uh, Cubbing around the countryside. I would <laughs> no. experienced that until I met Charlie, and... Uh, you know, I can't think of how many times, you know, we'd just go get up to altitude and, you know, just pull the power out to idle and just glide. And you don't really do that too often in your 172, unless you're training yeah. or practicing or what have you. And it's just, I don't know, it's graceful. It's fun. It, you know, the, the journey is the, is the destination, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah. Which uh, is, again, it's obviously I'm excited to do some some more stuff and expand my aviation experience. But at the same time, I think you talk to anybody who's around aviation or, you know, been in an airplane or as a pilot, it's like it, it's a, it's a cup. There's, there's that, that's all there is to it. Yeah, absolutely. So to, to kind of build on that. So at that point you've got your uh, tailwheel endorsement and you're flying the cub a lot, which is, you know, it's, it's a light, very lightweight, slow, uh, yes, you know, tail dragger aircraft. Um, kind of couple that with the fact that your dad owns a uh, very beautiful Stearman N2S Dash <laughs> Three Navy trainer. Um, do you ever have any opportunity to fly that? Yeah, yes, uh, I did. So uh, fantastic! I love that airplane. It's it's gorgeous. Uh, I also love it because I spent many many hours keeping it clean. Uh, which is, I guess, how I paid my my fuel bill for the Cub. So I, I have no complaints, but I love the airplane. You know, spent a lot of time still growing up because we got that in, uh, I want to say, 2004. 
uh, so I had it a good while now and you know a lot of a lot of flights just flying around with dad um doing formation flights with him and his buddies just just passenger but really enjoying it just seeing the aviation and uh you know it's a it's a war burden it's even as a passenger you get in it you know as many times as i've been in it i've fallen asleep in the dang thing so <laughs> how comfortable i've gotten in it uh which is funny to say falling asleep in an open cockpit radial airplane it's it is a little strange but the ultimate uh, is. yes really is <laughs> so uh yeah I, I got to fly it um after my freshman year of college back uh in the, near the end of the summer uh his one of his formation friends rod hochter um who taught him how to fly it and then also was one of my mentors in aviation taught me some some good stuff flying he he and my dad had talked and we had all, all talked forever. And it was, it was one of those things that he had offered to me early, um, you know, but I was, I don't know if it's out of laziness or just, I was happy and I didn't want to push my luck, but I loved the Cub. I, I loved the 150 when I had it. Um, I just love flying. So we, we talked about it and he said, yeah, you know, fly with Rod. Um, I won't take long. Just, he's, I said, I want you to, I want you to so you've got some time and, his stipulation was that I had a hundred hours of tailwheel time, uh, which is quite a bit, um, as anyone would know. So I was right at that hundred hour mark, getting close to it. I think I'm in like 96 or so. And he said, all right, we'll do it. So it was in August, I mean, the week before I had to go back to school uh, for my sophomore year of college. And I think it's kind of funny. My parents actually were out of town that week. They had a, a business trip or something they were doing. And uh, so it felt kind of fun, you know, a little rebellious almost because it's my dad's baby. It's his pride and joy. And, you know, I, I don't know what I would ever do if anything happened to it. And uh, so right I flew at least once a day that week, a couple times, twice a day. And it was a little bit back to kind of basics, back to, you know, hey, instructions. There bees in the cup. Airplanes fly the same, but they all have their little ticks. So we spent a week flying, and I really loved flying with with Rod. He's a fantastic instructor, and he put me through my paces in it. Uh, he wanted to make sure I was. It wasn't just a okay. If the weather's nice, you can solo it. It was no. We're going to go out on a cross one day. We're going to go to the pavement. Uh, we're going to. He's going to make me fly the airplane. So we did that, and then Sunday night, uh, I had to actually go back up to Lawrence for school on Monday. And Sunday night, my parents pretty much drove straight from the uh, the regional, the commercial airport, out to Stearman, uh, where we are. And we already we had it ready. We'd flown earlier in the day, and we're just hanging out. And it was a, you c- I couldn't have asked for a more perfect evening. A little bit of wind right down the runway. The grass was smooth. It wasn't wet. Um, and our rule, as many people is for so, it's three, three full stops, full stop taxi back patterns. And I. I did my three. The first landing was, I still think to this day, probably my best landing I've ever had. I don't know if that was partly out of nerves uh, with my dad there, you know, watching someone else fly his airplane. Uh, but it was it was a perfect evening. I couldn't have asked for anything anything better. So I got to do that. And then since then, um, it's the only time I've soloed it. We joked uh, I was only allowed to touch it ever again if I was cleaning it. So I put it back in the hangar that night. And then other times when I was home in the summer, still were breaks in school. Uh, I'd still go with them, do some formation flights. And, you know, I'd, I'd sit in the back of uh, Rod Steering or 
four hours and they, they let me do some kind of structure. So I've done a little couple hours of formation with them. Uh, and otherwise just, you know, still some, some more dual time. Uh, and it's a, it's a fantastic airplane. It's probably the most rewarding airplane I've gotten to fly. Scooter, Korean War Hero. And man, it, it really is true. It's only 240 uh, horsepower, say only. But you put that power forward, and man, you're rolling down the runway. You start to raise the tail, and just the rumble of the radial, it is something else. It, it really, that was probably one of the more memorable solos I've had. You know, I've sold a glider, the Cub, the 150. Um, but in the steering, the first time I was alone, it was up to me, and I put the throttle forward, and it rumbled to life. I was like, okay, this is cool. This is pretty cool. Yeah, that must uh must have been quite the accomplishment. And I know I know your dad was was super proud as well, so Yeah, yeah, he uh I know talking to me so he has his his blood pressure was up a little bit again just cuz all the work and everything we've we've done with that airplane and trying to keep it and it's it's not an easy one to fly. So uh he was glad for it to be down, but I know he was proud too. And it was uh it was nice, you know, as He's the one who taught me how to fly tailwheel. And so, you know, it really, I could have gotten in it without any training, but obviously training is, is good. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, let's go back to your beloved, uh, cub whiskey Fox. <laughs> yes. Um, I, I know for a fact that you haven't, but let's just, let's say for, uh, for the sake of argument, um, I don't think you've just hung around in the pattern with that aircraft. You taking any notable trips you want to talk about? <laughs> oh, a, f- a few. Um, so I do. I, I like your comment there. It's, uh, you know, a lot of the flying because it's a cub, but it's what I love is just bouncing on the grass. Um, yeah. You know, Stearman, Augusta, Cookfield near us, just finding the grass strips, um, which is great. Again, it's, it's on a nice evening. It's beautiful. It's just doors open 75, 80 degrees in the summer sunset and you're in the golden hour it's just great but um it has been a few places since we got it uh we got it from a from a guy down in texas and then uh, since then right after i graduated high school uh, i knew i was going to be going into navy rotc at uh, ku in kansas so didn't know what that meant my uh summers would be so dad said all right i'm going to take lunchtime off that summer. And one of the things we did was we took the cub and we flew down to Southern Louisiana, flew the coast over to Pensacola, went to, to the Naval Aviation Museum, actually my first time there, which is super cool. Um, you know, hopefully seeing what my future may have held. And then uh, flew back through kind of, went, went through Memphis, Arkansas, a little place called Gaston's, nice little fishing place with a grass strip. Um, Legendary. Yes, loved it. So it's been there uh, another couple times over spring break. Or just nice little weekend trips. Uh, been back to Texas a few times just for different trips. Been uh, been around, but I think the the most memorable trip. And I would lump two kind of into one because it's going to the same place. Uh, two summers ago, I it was before my senior year of college. I knew that I'd been trying to go to Oshkosh forever. I really wanted to go and I, I kind of had a bold moment and sort of put my foot down to, uh, to my parents. If, 
if that's the right phraseology. And I said, all right, I know you guys are busy, um, but my friend from school who had actually just gotten his table endorsement in that airplane for my dad came down for a few days and did that. Um, he's in flight school with me now here in Pensacola. But I said, you know, he can go with me unless you tell me no, <laughs> unless you just say, no, you're not going to allow it. I'm going to go to Oshkosh. I'm going to pay for it. I'll pay for all the fuel, pay for the camping. I want to go. I want to spend a couple days at Oshkosh. I want to fly there. And my dad said, uh, well, we'll think about it. And the next day he, he slept on. He said, you know what? That's fine. I know you're just not going to be doing anything else. So show me your flight plan. Keep me updated when you go. But uh, that's fine. So I took my friend and we went and my flight planned and found a bunch of grass strips along the way. So he could keep working on his skills. We'd switch seats, you know, see who was flying. And it was a super fun trip hanging out with him, just going to Oshkosh for the first time. And uh, really memorable trip because I'd wanted to go forever. And I'm not too ashamed to say that when I touched down, I did cry. It just finally got to go to the one thing that I always heard about and seen and wanted to go to. And I flew there myself in a cub. I floated past the dot, so I was a little upset. Not the not the best uh, precision landing, but maybe about an air, airplane length past the dot. And uh, it, it was just a magical trip and a fantastic couple of days there. And dad got jealous. And so this past year, he said, to heck with that. I'm going with you. So we went back last year again. Uh, same kind of thing. Just awesome. Awesome airplane. It's slow, but it'll get you there. Yeah, I was just looking it up, and that's uh, 543 nautical miles, and an average ground speed in your uh, typical Legend Cub would be... 70 knots, maybe? Yeah. So, <laughs> talking about the, the journey being the destination. You know, that's yes. The, that's the fun part of that of that kind of flying. But, um, yep. Yep. Yeah, and if I recall correctly, the following year you actually did nail the dot and got, and I think I heard on the radio the uh, controller uh, say "nice job, Yellow Cub." If I remember correctly, yes, I think, I think so. You even you have some the, sweet GoPro video of that. I do, I do. Ooh, I, I don't know if I have a picture real, real quick that I could throw in the chat, but yeah, I, uh, I had a GoPro on the tail and I nailed the dot. I made sure that I was going to get it this year. That's awesome. So. We're starting to get a little short on time here, but the one thing okay. I did want to definitely cover is um, yeah. you, uh, you've you been uh, Navy ROTC for a while now, mm -hmm. and uh, like, it's, like I mentioned in the intro, you are um, uh, now down in Pensacola for your primary training, and um, I just kind of want to, when, when did that decision come into your mind that, A, you were going to join the military, and you know was that specifically the Navy from the start, or kind of expand on that just a little bit. Yeah. So, um, my, my grandpa on my dad's side, uh, I think like a lot of that generation, he, he went through RTC at Missouri, uh, and he was, he commissioned and was, was on a surface ship. And I, I don't remember the whole story. I've never gotten a, a super clear thing, but he's medically discharged from an injury. He got, uh, I think their ship was like cresting a wave in a typhoon. Uh, and he broke his shoulder real bad. Um, and at the time they couldn't, couldn't get him back fit for service. Uh, so there's a little bit of history there and that was, you know, he maybe only had a year of service. Uh, and then it, so it wasn't a huge deal in their life. And then I didn't really have any other family background, but a good friend, uh, when I was in middle school, 
I want to say was at the Naval Academy, a family friend that I, I got in contact with somehow and just and my parents, you know, hey, maybe this guy would be a good mentor for Charlie. So uh, I got to meet him, started talking and I met some of his, you know, classmates and friends. And I realized that just a good group of people uh, that that I, I would love to be a part of. I think that would you know be a fantastic thing. And I, I didn't really understand at the time, you know, Naval Academy, Navy, that kind of made sense, but I didn't really know all that was going into it. So that that became my goal was to go to the Naval Academy. Um, and then as as the years kind of progressed and I got learning more about it, you know, I, I started as, okay, so that actually means the Navy. So then I, I set my sights more on the Navy. Still wanted to go to the Academy. Um, but I was like, that's cool. And I started learning about naval aviation and all sorts of stuff I'm like that is awesome. I would love to to do that. So um uh sorry. So I was applying to schools when I was in, in uh high school and I applied to the whole process for Naval Academy, everything went great. Um I was from what I've heard, you know, I, I was a very good candidate, uh, but it's very competitive to get into. Uh, and so I, I got the the small envelope instead of the nice big uh, welcome packet, um, which I was, you know, for, for a little while upset. But at the same time, I had gotten the four-year Naval ROTC scholarship and been accepted to KU. So a little closer to home was cool. You know, I was super glad that, that I could stay a little closer to family and the airport and <laughs> get home on the weekends to fly some. Um, but going through that, you know, that's that's something I wanted to. And then backing up a tiny bit, just growing up at the airport, hanging out, a lot of people in aviation are prior military. So um, getting to just be around those people and be around the flight instructors and see them, I started to realize there's a caliber of person, even outside of the airplane. You know, I'm not even talking about, there's, I, I don't hesitate to say, I don't think, you know, military aviation isn't the, the one and only thing. Uh, there are fan, amazing pilots that, you know, we're never in the military, never will be. Um, but obviously it's a system that works and a system that is fantastic and produces above all quality people. Um, so growing up, that's kind of what I aspired to be. Uh, so I followed that path and again, got the RTC scholarship, um, went through KU for four and a half years with a meteorology degree. Fortunately, back in October, got, uh, notified I was picked up for, uh, a student naval aviator slot. And then, uh, about three weeks ago, moved down here to Pensacola to uh, get started. So right now I'm in the the in in processing. So I've got a big medical appointment on Monday and some other little things here and there. And hopefully in uh, about a month, I'll be starting the academic work. That's awesome. And you will be starting out in the T6. Is that true? Yes. Yeah. So it'll be a little while. At first, I got to do just uh, some kind of ground school academic stuff uh, and then the swim and the survival training. So it'll take a few months, but, uh, I could potentially be, and then I got to go to T6 ground school, specific ground school, and I could be flying a T6 here. If I had to guess early fall, early fall time, maybe, maybe October. Um, and I'm, I'm excited, super, super pumped. It's a cool place to be down here. See him flying around all the time and, uh, just jealous. I'm not quite there yet, but I know yeah. I've got a few steps before then. Yeah. It's, I know it's, uh, getting a little bit, uh, you know, beyond what, what your crystal ball shows right now, but, uh, do you have a wish list at the moment for what, uh, what you hope your future flying assignment might be? Uh, you know, it's, it's cool. I, I, one thing that I think, and it's easy to say this, but I've come into it with the attitude of, I get to wear a green onesie or tan, a onesie basically to work, mm -hmm. uh, which is awesome. Getting to wear a flight suit is, is 
been my dream forever. Uh, so it's there, there's all sorts of things and some of it's out of, out of your control. It's up to the Navy, you know, and then of course, if you score better in classes, you'll probably have a better chance to get what you want. But for me, if anything, I just kind of like to stay fixed wing, um, partly for the mission sets, partly for it's what I know, it's what I love. I've got about half an hour of helicopter time total. So really I'm just kind of ignorant to helicopters. I still don't quite understand how they work. They're just magic. Uh, but you know, it's a, it's a cool thing. And, and again, at the end of the day, I, I did go into, uh, the Navy for service. I, I obviously, I wanted, I was hoping I could fly, but I knew that I wanted to serve and, and do something for the community and give back to everyone that's gone before me. Um, so if I had my perfect world and I could get all my dreams, uh, I'm kind of leaning towards an airplane called the E2. Hawkeye. It's the mm -hmm. mini AWAC that lands on the aircraft carrier. I think yeah. if you want to go into naval aviation, you got to want to land on a boat. Uh, so that's kind of the the dream. If I can get an airplane that lands on the boat, that would be wild. Uh, just just even thinking about that is is insane. I've been on an aircraft carrier for about a week, and just watching flight ops is absurd still to me. I, it's just an orchestra orchestra of chaos, pretty much. Yeah. So, and that being, I'm not, I'm not saying I don't want to go uh, strike and fly F-18s because I mean, yeah. who in their right mind would say no to that? Yeah. Well, I mean, why, you know, why set the bar there? Why not F-35? No, you're right. Uh, <laughs> there, there are reasons, but no, F, you know, F-35 is yeah. an insane platform. I, I, I still don't know hardly anything about it. I've seen one probably just as much as anyone else has gone to an air show. I haven't sure. had the opportunities yet, but it's. You know, it just depends how how flight school goes and how things kind of kind of play out and what at the end of the day what the uh, what the Navy wants. Yeah. So, well, dude, I think we've uh, we've exhausted our allotted time here, and um, <laughs> hopefully, we can uh, pick this up again and um, you know make it part of the podcast or whatever. But uh, sure, I've thoroughly enjoyed our chat and can't wait to hear about what your upcoming experiences with the T six are and and beyond that. So, um, yeah, will that be the case? I, I, yeah. I just require, I appreciate the invite and when I get ahead, but yeah. Um, love the podcast. Maybe we get on that sometime, but no, I'll yeah. definitely keep you updated. And then anyone else, I, you know, I've, yeah. I'll send oh, stuff to full disc or what spike yeah. put on, put on their pages maybe, but no, I'm yeah. just living the dream. Yeah. Well, uh, why don't you tell everybody at least, uh, about your social media? Sure. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm primarily just on Instagram. Uh, you know, I post, a lot of cub pictures in the past, uh, you know, the occasional just hanging out with friends back at barbecue. But uh, it's my name on on the chat here on the the Discord. But you've seen if you see any of the pictures of a, a cub or a yellow steerman, it's probably me and my dad on Nick on Gravity Images uh, Instagram. But my handle is uh, my last name. It's kind of a play on my last name. It's Beckin, B E C K I N underscore around, and uh, just kind of came up with that one time. You know, it's I always talk about cubbing around and like, well, you know, I had a little, little personal flair on it. So beckoning around, just doing my thing. Hope enjoy, enjoying the life that I get to live. Well, that's awesome, man. Best of luck with everything and look forward to seeing what the future holds. So on that note, that's going to do it for this session of the virtual air show. So thanks to all for tuning in and we got lots of great content coming up. So don't go away. Thank you for tuning in to this aviation conversation. We hope that our discussion of aviation brought a smile to your face. 
This was our first time hosting this event, and we look forward to doing it again in the future. We welcome any feedback to improve these future events. You can find Full Disc Aviation online at www.fulldiscaviation.com and Mudspike Aviation at www.mudspikeaviation.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.